This is the Beginner's Guide to Human Design. I'm your host, Madeline Evergreen. This podcast makes understanding your human design chart super simple and easy. Have you ever looked at your chart and seen all those shapes, lines, arrows, and numbers and gotten lost in the descriptions? Me too. After countless hours of practice and study, I'm here to break it down for you. Now let's get into today's episode. This episode is ideal for beginners to human design, but don't turn it off if you're also experienced or maybe you have listened to every single episode of mine. Maybe you've you've even had one-on-one human design readings, and maybe you yourself are a human design reader or a master. It's still beneficial for you. And if you are new, if this is your very first episode of the Beginner's Guide to Human Design podcast, welcome. This is totally divine timing because what you're going to learn today will set you up for the fast track into mastering your design. But also, once you're done listening to today's episode, you may want to go all the way back to episode one and listen sequentially. This podcast really is done in a special order. It doesn't mean that you must listen to everything in order, but if you don't know much or you're really a brand new beginner to human design, you'll get the most benefit if you listen from episode one, listen sequentially. Or if you are new here and you consider yourself somewhat experienced and maybe you understand the different terminologies like you know what an energy type is, you know what a profile is, maybe you know about your strategy or your not-self theme, then a great way to utilize this podcast is to actually just look at the titles of the episodes and pick the ones that you're most interested in learning more about. Everything is labeled so so simply and so basic so that you know exactly what is going on in the episode. Most of the episodes are educational about the different aspects of your design, yet some of them are more storytelling or examples or concept driven. And so pick and choose what's going to apply to you the best. And for anybody who has already listened to every single episode, I also suggest that you scroll back after listening today And pick out some of the topics that you really don't get. And maybe you need to repeat or listen again a second or a third or even a fourth time. I truly believe in divine timing. And I believe that we need to hear certain concepts or teachings over and over and over until we hear it at the right moment. And it's typically not the first time you hear it. So in today's episode, I'm teaching you how to practice human design And practice is a word like practice dance, practice yoga, practice your speech, practice cooking. It is truly something that you show up to repeatedly and practice. This is odd because it seems like human design is very intellectual. Maybe you just learn about your design and then you know it forever and now you're a master. And that's just truly not how it works. I think that I used to think that way, uh, you know, just learn as much as I possibly can, get all the books and, you know, study, 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 and then now I know it. And it's true, it goes into your brain, but your body and your subconscious and your kind of undercurrent unconscious behavioral system 
your nervous system doesn't really learn it. It actually is it. And so you're either going to be it or you're not. And if you just have all this information in your head, I feel like that's only 1% of the way there. What's really true is that your human design chart is actually living in your aura. Your whole system knows your human design chart very intimately. It knows every intricate detail of your chart. And if you aren't aware, there are depths and depths and massive, massive amounts of information in your human design chart. Like so much that I don't think we're ever going to be able to wrap our minds around it. Somebody that's really knowledgeable about your chart could talk probably for 12 hours straight just about you. There's so much. And I actually discourage you and I discourage myself of ever attempting to learn all of it intellectually because it's just not beneficial. What is beneficial is to learn a little bit by, you know, listening to this podcast or reading a book or studying the chart and then immediately go and do it. Immediately be it. Take the posture, put on the costume of your human design and live it. Practice it. That's what we're talking about today, how to practice human design. Because again, if you just know it in your head, that's not really going to help you. It's it's going to feel so validating. It's going to give you a dopamine hit of so much excitement because you learned something about yourself. But what difference does that really make when it comes to your actual life, your relationships, your money, your home, your children, the way you parent, the way you show up to your job? How is that really going to change anything if you just know about your design? Mm, it's barely going to change. And so today you're going to gain an incredibly helpful tip on how to practice your human design to actually change your life with human design. This is something that I realized that I intuitively began doing from the start of my own personal human design learning journey. And as I got into teaching classes and doing a lot of one-on-one readings and group programs in human design, I missed the mark at first in my teaching. I was obsessed with the information so much that I just kind of piled it on like, oh, you should know more and more and more. And isn't this interesting? Isn't this fascinating? Let's talk more, 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 more. And I started to see that for some reason, my students' lives weren't changing and mine was And why was that? And then there would be like one student that her life was changing and I would analyze why, 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 why is her life changing and theirs isn't and mine is. And I found it's the essence of the practice. It's the embodiment. It's the being and not the learning where the change comes. So I very quickly, after just a couple of weeks or months of teaching in more of this headspace, I quickly began to bring in the body. One of the biggest ways that I brought it in was actually by bringing somatic breath work into my human design classes. I encourage all of my human design clients and students to use somatic breath work or a different type of somatic embodiment or releasing some kind of practice in tapping into your body's wisdom 
we won't be getting into that today. That could be for another episode, or you can go back and listen to a breathwork episode I did a few months ago. But the point of me bringing that in was because it was one step in the right direction of having my students experience embodiment and expression. And from my recent personal experience going on a retreat about feminine embodiment, this just so landed. Oh, that was one of the biggest things that I got out of the retreat I attended was how to embody information before you actually intellectually understand it and that the body comes first and the emotion comes second or the body comes first and the knowledge comes second or the body comes first and the results come second. Here's what's not true. The knowledge comes first and then the transformation happens. No, I just, I'm sorry, I just haven't seen that that's actually true most of the time. And if you're curious about this retreat that I attended, I have been doing a lot of Instagram posts and stories and some lives about it. And you can just go to my Instagram and look at the highlight bubble called Sedona. That's where it was located. And check it out. I might still do an episode on it, but I think I'm going to just keep it to the Instagram because it's not super, super human design related. I think we're ready to get into our lesson. Do you think so? I think so. I'm going to be going through five different parts of this practice process. And the first part in learning how to practice human design is part number one, which is to choose one focus for the day. So a focus could be to focus on maybe your digestive type in your chart, or focus on your strategy, or your authority, or your bottom left arrow, or your energy type, or one of your gates, or your life theme, or your root center, or your ajna center, or your G center. Or what else could it be? One of your channels. It could be a different gate. It could be your top right arrow. It literally could be anything in your chart. Anything. But pick one thing in your chart. The simplest one you can find when you're new at this. And you're going to practice that as your only focus for the day. You could also choose a full week to practice it. You could also choose a trip if you're going on a vacation. I did this back in December. I went on a trip to California to a three-day long um, online entrepreneur business conference event, and I picked one focus for my entire trip from the moment I got to the airport to the moment I arrived home. My focus was not actually on the entrepreneurial learnings at the event I was going to, my focus was to practice following my strategy. And that's it. That's it. And it made the trip absolutely, shockingly amazing. I got so much more out of it than I normally would have. You could choose this one focus for an event. Maybe you're going to a party and this is your focus at the party is to practice this one part of your design. Or maybe you're going to a um, a water park for the day with your kids and your focus is this one aspect of your human design. Maybe you're attending a wedding and your focus is to practice this one aspect of human design. So what you're doing is you're choosing one 
part of your chart to focus on and you're choosing an amount of time, a day, a week, a vacation, an event, a three-hour period, whatever you want. Pick something so that you know what you're doing and it's clear to you and you can stay focused and you can create it like a container. So got that? Got step one? Moving on to step number two, review the focus before the period of time starts. So what I like to do sometimes, not every single day, but oftentimes in the morning when I wake up, I'll get out one of my favorite human design books and I will choose my focus for that day and I will reread the description of that thing. So I love to practice gate 13 because that's my most important gate in my chart. And I love to get out all of my human design books. I have multiple different ones. And I love to read about gate 13 from all the different books in the morning. And it just primes me to get in the theme of that gate and really understand it again and get the languaging in my mind and hear from different voices, different authors, different perspectives on it. And it's just a review so that I can kind of embed or immerse my brain in the topic. And then I let go of the learning and I start my period of time. So I start my day or I start my week or I start my trip or my event, whatever period of time I'm selecting. Okay, got it. So step one, choose a focus and choose a period of time. Step two, before that period of time begins, review the focus. Use a podcast, like maybe you re-listen to the episode on this podcast that's about that aspect of your chart. Like maybe you're going to focus on your profile and maybe you're a 1-3, so you listen to the episode about the 1-3. Or you read a book about the 1-3. Or maybe you have an app or a favorite Instagram person that talks about it or some kind of educational resource that you can just refresh your memory and immerse your brain in the information. But again, it's not so you can learn, 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 and become a master in your brain. No, it's just to kind of like soak your brain in the knowledge. Okay, moving to step number three, which is to put on your blinders and only practice that one thing. So let's say you chose gate 13, like me. Ignore your energy type, ignore your strategy and your authority, Ignore all your arrows, ignore everything about your design except for gate 13. Just put it out of your brain. Get get yourself off the hook that you don't have to remember any of that and you don't even have to act any of it. Just only gate 13 or whatever focus you've chosen. And this is something that I have recently come to realize not everybody knows how to practice a skill. Repetition is critical for mastery. I grew up as a very, very dedicated, serious dancer. We don't need to get into the whole story. I'm sure I've talked about it a lot on this podcast, but I danced more than I even went to school growing up. It was a massive part of my life. I was planning to become a professional dancer. It was everything for me. And when you are a high-level, advanced, kind of elite dancer or athlete, it's normal to have loads of repetition. For example, 
in ballet class, most people don't realize that ballet dancers go through an order of practices or an order of exercises or combinations of dance. I don't even know how to explain it, but you go through like your plies and your tendus and your grand batmas and, you know, then you move to the center and you do these other exercises with some, you know, turns and jumps and then you go across the floor and you do leaps and more turns and every single class there's a specific order of a sequence that you practice and it kind of doesn't matter if you're a professional dancer or a brand new beginner. Like a professional ballerina could go to a beginner's class and get a great practice. Maybe it wouldn't be as high level of skills to practice, but it's the foundational techniques that you repeat over and over and over every single class, which for most dancers is every single day. For hours, you're practicing the basics and you're mastering one skill at a time. You do not progress to a single turn until you've mastered a half turn. You would never progress to a double turn until you've mastered a one and a quarter turn and then a one and a half turn and then a one and three quarters and then you learn two turns. And see what I mean? You you have repetition extensively. And to me, this is just how I grew up learning to dance. Like you just show up daily, dedicated and devotional to your practice and you keep doing the basics over and over and over until you slowly climb to a little bit more advanced but you're still practicing the basics. And something I've come to notice as an adult is that a lot of people who did not learn training that way don't know that that's how you learn. Right now, my husband and I practice ballroom dancing, and it's a really fun hobby. It's not very serious for me. It's just so, um, it's just an outlet of artistic expression and athleticism that's in my personal life. It's not really that important. And something that I've come to realize from a lot of the other dancers I've encountered and just the, the, um, beginner's level kind of amateur ballroom world is that a lot of students don't know about this meticulous repetition concept. A lot of, uh, I'm not insulting, I'm just using the truth, lower level beginner dancers just think that you can come to a group class once a week, you know, three times a week and kind of have fun and that's how you learn to dance. And it's not. That's where you have fun. That's where you get exposed to new things. That's where you meet people and have a good time and yeah, learn some steps. But that's not how you learn to dance. You learn to dance with meticulous practice every day, repetition over and over. And you often will be learning a new skill. And as you're practicing the new skill, you're really bad at it the first 20 times or 50 times. And you focus only on that one skill and you expect all your other skills are kind of going to kind of slip. Like they're not going to be as good because you're not thinking about everything. You're only thinking about the one new skill. And then once that one new skill gets kind of drilled in and it moves to another part of your brain where you don't have to focus singularly on it, then you can re-remember everything else you know and try and then incorporate it all so that everything can look good, not just one thing. 
And that's the essence of learning in dance. I'm assuming that's how you learn in football or in really anything. Any new skill, like in art, any anything, music, you have to practice a new skill repeatedly over and over and over and over forever. And while you're practicing as a beginner and when you're bad at it, you have to put on your blinders to everything else you know and only look at that one thing and expect everything else to kind of fall apart and look like crap until that one new thing has moved to a different part of your brain that's more unconscious where you don't have to think so much about it and then you can re-involve all the other things. So I've realized as an adult, most people don't know that that's how you practice. And I only know it, not because I'm really smart, but because I was trained that way as a dancer. And that was just common sense to me because it was really how I was raised by my dance coaches. So I'm inviting you into that knowledge now in case you did not grow up learning that or that's new information for you. And you maybe you've been wondering, why am I having such a hard time implementing my human design? Or why isn't it really changing my life? Or why aren't the other arts th- that I'm learning in my life not sticking? Why am I not really improving at anything? If that's happening to you, maybe it's because you don't have this repetition piece and the putting on the blinders piece. So we're still on step three. Put on your blinders, ignore everything about your human design chart, maybe even ignore all the spiritual things you've ever learned in your life, and just only practice the one thing you selected for that day. And you're going to expect all your other things to slip. Maybe you forgot that you're a generator or maybe, oops, you forgot about your strategy and your authority. That's fine. That's fine. You're only practicing the one thing you chose. And it's a good idea to keep practicing that thing with your blinders on until that one thing you chose starts to feel autopilot. It starts to move to a more unconscious part of your brain where now it's just happening and it's kind of the new you. And when you feel that, like when you surprise yourself because you just show up practicing this new thing without having to remember, then you can take your blinders off and start bringing in the other parts of your human design or the other parts of your personal growth lifestyle. I want you to expect to find a lot of times when you don't know how to practice this focus. So for me, When I have days where I choose to practice gate 13, this is all about listening and collecting stories. And there's many, many times where I am in a situation where I'm very resistant to it and it's not working, or I find myself interrupting people and I start telling stories, or I find that I am not interested in listening to somebody's story. And Those are pieces of evidence that there's a block in me. Maybe there's a limiting belief or maybe there's some conditioning in the way. And for example, if I have a class and then someone stays afterwards and they're chit-chatting and they're telling me stories and in the back of my mind, I'm like, waste of, this is a waste of time. I don't want to hear this. I want to move on. I have to tune into myself and say, hold on me. What's going on? And oftentimes I've had this limiting belief that like, 
I have to hurry up. I have to get out of my class and I have to get to the next thing so I can be very productive. And this is a waste of time for me to hear about this person's vacation. Like, I don't care. I need to be more productive. And I recognize in myself, that's a limiting belief. Because what I'm choosing to believe is that the most important thing in my life is for me to practice my human design, not to be the most productive person that day. And so it's an opportunity for me to recognize, ooh, this is a block. This is an unconscious thing that needs to shift. And then I get myself to get comfortable listening to this person tell me their story. And I actually get present. I forget about the being productive. I practice eliminating that limiting belief or that block or that piece of conditioning. And I just let myself practice my gate 13 of listening and collecting the story instead of rushing to my next task. And guess what? It's uncomfortable and it's unpleasant. And I would rather rush around. I really would. I love rushing around. I love masking myself in productivity. I love praising myself for having the biggest to-do list and getting it all done. And then at the end of the day, guess what? I have a deep sense of unfulfillment. Ooh, ooh, doesn't that hurt? That is so painful. So the truth is, is that when I have practices of getting uncomfortable, finding my limiting beliefs, my roadblocks, and delving into these intricate details of my human design for a day, I am deeply fulfilled at the end of the day. Yes, I'm uncomfortable in the day and it's kind of unpleasant and it doesn't feel like myself. But at the end of the day, ooh, I'm juicy. Like I'm juicy when I lay in bed and I feel so close to myself. I really feel like I gave myself the time of day and that I've listened to my wisdom from within. So that takes us to step number four, which is probably the part that most people will ignore or resist or pretend that they don't understand. And this is the key. This is the key to success. Ready? Body first. I'm going to say that again. Body first. What comes second? Emotions or results or knowledge. You will not feel authentic. Can I say that again? And can you open your ears a little bit wider? Open your heart. You will not feel authentic you will feel like an imposter. Yes, you will. Maybe not 100% of the time. Maybe some of it is so pleasurable and you really truly love it. And that's great. That's a good sign. You're already embodying part of your design. But when you find times where you're resistant and you're like, that's not me, or I feel like an imposter. Yes. Yes, that's right. Because there's probably a part of you that isn't living your design. And you can definitely choose to keep your life exactly as it is now for the rest of your life. You don't have to learn any of this. You don't have to change at all. You don't. But then why are you learning about human design? Like, why are you even interested in it in the first place? And why are you listening to this episode? Hmm, that's a good question. If you're truly interested in human design, then you would be truly interested in transformation and living according to your design. And that means there's a part of you that's not already living according to your design. So for my example of the gate 13, which is listening and collecting stories, 
when I get to those times where somebody wants to tell me a story, like there's this guy, oh my God, this, this is like my arch nemesis in life. There's this guy that works at a grocery store that I go to almost every day and he works in the checkout line and he literally loves to tell everybody like everything about his entire life and like his full week of plans. Like he will just start a conversation as he's in the checkout line with you as if like your best friends and you're picking up where you left off and he's like letting me know his schedule for the next seven days like fully. And to me, it's an immediate like it makes me cringe. I want to look away. I want to close off my body language. Like I don't want to talk like that. I don't want to. I don't want to hear about your life. But then I realize, you know what? I am gifted with gate 13, listening and collecting stories. This is my biggest gift to the world. Why don't I just try? It's okay if I think it's a total waste of time and I don't feel like myself when I listen to him. I feel more like myself when I close my body language, when I look down, when I pretend that I'm, I don't know, looking at my phone so that he doesn't talk to me. But does that make my life any better? No, it just kind of gets me through the moment and it helps me disassociate so I can just hurry up and move on past the discomfort. Instead, I'm going to do body first. I don't fully understand how listening to his story is going to help me or help him. I really don't. I, I really don't understand. It's not in my brain. I'm not a master of that. But guess what? I can put it in my body. I know enough that all I have to do is listen and collect people's stories. That's it. That's my only job with gate 13. And so body first. I'm in the checkout line. And right now, actually, I'm going to commit to you guys this is this makes me want to die. I really don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit to you guys right now. The next time I see this guy, I'm going to do this. I'm going to fully listen to him. Fully. Like I'm going to juice myself on up and turn on all of my senses and let him lay it on me. I'm just going to let him like penetrate me with his stories. And I'm going to indulge. Like I'm going to lick it up like a hungry, I don't know, cat drinking a bowl of milk. I am going to soak it up so fully and I'm going to take the posture and the costume and the position and the pose as if I am listening and collecting his stories. And I say it with that tone of voice because it's the same phrase as before, but it is like an embodiment. Like I'm going to fully do it. And guess what? I can promise you the first time I'm going to hate it. I'm not going to feel like myself. I'm going to have all these thoughts like it's a waste of time and I don't like him and I don't like the way he's talking and I don't think that he's acting professional. Like those will be my immediate thoughts, but I'm going to take the posture and I'm going to do it. I'm going to listen to his story and I'm not going to feel authentic the first time. That's a guarantee. And then I'm going to do it again. And then I'm going to do it with someone else. And then I'm going to learn something along the way. And I'm probably going to tweak it. And I'm going to do it better. And then I'm going to do it better. And then I'm going to do it more. And then juicier. And then fuller. And then guess what? One of those times, it's going to be like, ding, ding, ding. I feel more like myself. I can promise you there will be a moment where it flips from feeling like an imposter to, oh my God, I'm meeting a part of myself for the first time. And I didn't know I I had that in me. I didn't know that was in there. It will start to emerge when I first take the body there. I do it physically. 
I don't have all the knowledge. I really don't. I really don't understand the point of this in my head. But if I can just do it with my body, then the knowledge, the transformation and the emotions will come next. And I need and I need you to let go of understanding why and how and all the bullet points. Just just learn the gist of it and then do it. And the rest of the knowledge comes from your own experience. It really does. So I'm committing to you right now that the next time I see that guy, I'm going to fully let him penetrate me with all his stories. And I'm going to listen and I'm going to collect in my full manifesting generator juiciness. It sounds super sensual the way I'm talking because it is sensual. I'm going to use my senses I'm going to feel his story. I'm going to taste it. I'm going to see it. I'm going to close my eyes and feel it in, or see it in my mind's eyes. I'm going to hear it in my ears. I'm going to smell it in the air. I'm literally going to sensualize my experience because that's what it means to actually listen and collect a person's story. It's not just going through the behaviors of half listening to get it over with. It's like, no, I'm going to do it. So that's my commitment. I said it out loud. Ooh, maybe I'll report back. Remind me to report back, actually. I said maybe because I forget to report back on things all the time. It just falls out of my head. So you guys follow up with me and keep me accountable to this. Reach out on Instagram. You can find me at healthy underscore Madeline and send me a DM in a couple days after you heard this and ask me if I did it, please. And I will report back if you ask. Now, the step number five of how to practice your human design is to collect evidence. So once you did your time period, like your day of practice or your week or your event or your trip, whatever time period, then I want you to collect evidence and ask yourself these types of questions. Did it work? And maybe journal about it. I'll put these questions in the show notes so that you can do your own little journal process. But did it work? Like, did you actually practice that part of your your human design? Or did you truly realize, like, I don't understand it even one spec, so I couldn't even practice? Like, if you don't even know anything about it, and you really just don't get it at all, that first 1% brain piece, then maybe you need to review again or book a reading to understand it so that you can practice. And remember, I don't mean understand it fully. I mean, get the gist, get the bullet points and go out there and do it. Um, yeah, so did it work? And what does work mean to you? Like, what was that like? How did it turn out? The next question, what surprised you? For me, some examples of times I've done this that surprised me was like, wow, I didn't know I had it in me to be able to do that. I didn't know that I actually would like this. I didn't know that I would like it during these circumstances, but it would feel like a violation in these ones. What surprised you? The next question, did you end up feeling more like yourself? And if the answer is no, I encourage you to do a repeat. Like maybe you need to keep practicing or maybe you need to review the information and tweak it and try again. And the next question, did you go against your design and experience a negative result? 
one of the most beautiful ways to practice human design is to purposefully do the opposite of your human design and see if it turns out badly. So like for me, sometime I could practice my gate 13, like going the opposite by noticing when somebody is starting to tell me a story and I can cut them off and interrupt and end the conversation. Or I can cut in and start telling my story and one-up them and then reflect back and notice if that resulted in something negative. Maybe I hurt their feelings. Maybe I got a sick feeling inside. Maybe I didn't end up making a friendship with that person or maybe that client never came back. Those are the types of things that would be a negative result of me going against my design. And it's wonderful evidence because remember this step number five is about collecting evidence. Write down some evidence of times that it did work and write down some evidence of times where you went against it and it did not work for you. And you gain more and more and more evidence from yourself and also stories from your friends and from this podcast and other human design people. The the students that are inside of my group programs gain a lot of evidence from each other, a lot of times where it worked and it didn't work. And that's how you really learn. So again, let's review the five steps very briefly of how to practice your human design. Step one, choose one focus for the day and choose a period of time. Step two, review the focus, like listen to an episode or read a book about it. And just really quickly, only take a few minutes to review the focus. Step three, put on your blinders and practice only that one thing. Use repetition and expect that you will encounter some blocks and limiting beliefs and some conditioning. Step four, body first. You will not feel authentic and you will feel like an imposter. Just do it in your body and let go of understanding everything. And step five, collect evidence. When did it work? When didn't it work? What did you think? And then maybe you want to tweak it all and repeat the entire process again. I keep repeating a lot of the same parts of my design and I never am going to pretend like I'll master everything. Um, it's just never going to happen. You keep finding deeper and deeper layers and you keep taking it to more of a rich, juicy place over time. So if you are going to try this, I want to hear how it goes. I really, really, really want to know. I get so lonely on the podcast um, just talking into the mic. I really love it, but I also wish that I could see how this goes for you. So the best place to stay in contact is over on Instagram. You can DM me or comment on under any kind of reel or post that seems related to this and let me know how this practice is going for you. What are you practicing? How is it going? What do you think? And thank you, everybody, for continuing to rate and review the show. I will at some point be bringing back the reviews of the week with a special prize. But right now, I don't have the capacity to give out so, so, so much. So in the meantime, the way for you to pay it forward for this free content is just to simply rate and review the show wherever you're listening, especially Apple Podcasts. Or if you're unable to do that, The next best thing is just to recommend the show, send it to a friend, take a screenshot of you listening and share it on your social media and tag me at healthy underscore Madeline. And I truly appreciate your shares and your ability to help promote this show to more and more people. Have a beautiful rest of your day and I will catch you in the next episode. 